So we've been looking at the fact the last several weeks that we are not created for isolation. And you've heard me repeat this a number of times this last several weeks. It doesn't matter whether you're introverted or extroverted. That that same truth is real. It is still true. Regardless of your personality and your wiring, whatever that may be, we are not created for isolation. In fact, according to God's word, as we've looked at so far, it's quite the opposite. We're created for connection. We're created to be intimately connected, first of all, to God himself, to Christ. He makes that possible. We can know God in a meaningful relationship that gives us then the capacity to have even more meaningful relationships with one another. So I want you and I today to look and try to make even with more clarity what that connection is between your relationship with Christ and how it can be clarified, how it can be lived out and experienced in your relationships with one another. Whether you're talking husband, wife, whether you're talking parent to child, whether you're talking friend to friend, regardless, that connection will make a difference in your relationships here in this life. You see, you've heard me say this before. I can fool myself about my relationship with God all day long because that's fairly abstract, right? But I can't fool myself about my marriage. Not, not, not when I go home every day, right? I, I, I can't fool myself about my relationships that I have. And what's going on on this earth in those relationships actually reflects the reality of my relationship with Christ. So instead of looking from heaven down, I would, I would encourage you to sometimes look from earth to heaven. Look and see how these relationships are going because there is a very real connection. Specifically, I want you and I to consider the significance and the meaning and, and the implications of us as we love one another, as we develop meaningful relationships with one another. I want you and I to see the significance of shared values that we have in Christ how that can be a foundation for more meaningful relationships. It can even be a foundation for dealing with problems and stress and de-stress. Our shared values we have in Christ, there's a direct connection between how it goes with your relationship with Christ and how it's going to go with your relationships with one another. Now let's look at Psalm 34 to look at this topic this morning, the, the value, the need for shared values in Christ that we can have. And in this Psalm 34, David is focusing on a, a believer who is rightly related to God. He's focusing on a believer who chooses to align each new day, not perfectly, but consistently, his or her heart with God himself. Align their character with God himself, with Christ himself, day to day, one day at a time. And as you and I do that, we will begin to value what Christ values. Paul calls that taking on the mind of Christ. What God values, we will begin to value. And that will bleed into, that will take place, that will have an impact on our relationships with one another. So keeping that context in mind, look at what he says beginning in verse 12, Psalm 34. It will be on the screens as well. He says in verse 12, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. And he's talking about in relation to one another. 
Seek peace and pursue it. Then he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He shifted to your relationship with God and his ears are attentive to their cry. But, and this is a bad but, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He, that is God, delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now go back to verses 12 through 14 to begin with. And, and David focuses, first of all, on our relationships with one another. And I want you to notice the setting. Again, remembering that this is a person, a believer, who's choosing to walk with God, who's choosing to follow the lead of Christ in their life. And he says, whoever loves life and desires to see many good days. First of all, David is pointing out that when your relationship with God is healthy, and when it is growing, when it is what it should be, you'll not only develop a love for God, a love for Christ, you'll develop a love for life. Why? Because you'll see it as a gift from God. And he says, he's describing somebody who's living this way, and he says, whoever of you loves life, and that word life, by the way, is a picture of, of plants that are healthy and green and growing. It's a, a picture of springtime. Now, now y'all remember February, right? That one week of the apocalypse? I don't know about you, but I looked at all the freezing rain, the snow, and the freezing temperatures, and the, didn't have any busted pipes in my house, I'm, I'm grateful. Did up here, of course, as you well know. But nonetheless, we look at all that snow apocalypse, and I look at all the plant life in my front and backyard, and I'm wondering, am I going to have to replace every stinking plant? Because after that was over, it was all just brown as brown could be. There was no sign of life in my yard, on my shrubs, or my plants. In fact, I lost one 18-foot plant we don't think was going to survive, and even chopped one down in the front yard, down to the ground. But you know what happened when spring came? Pretty amazing. You saw it, right? This spring really meant a lot to me because of that, right? I took a lot less for granted, and that plant that I chopped to the ground thinking it was dead, guess what started popping up? New leaves, new growth. It was alive. It had a root system to allow that. And all the other plants, they're green. It's amazing, isn't it? Just not that long ago, they were frozen dead, and then they show life. That's what the description is. When you and I are truly walking with Christ, we're allowing him one day, one choice at a time, to be in the lead of our life. We're not just going to develop an appreciation and a love for God himself, for Christ. You're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to appreciate and develop a love for life itself. Why? Because you're going to see it as a gift from God. Not as something that I deserve, but a gift from God. It changes your values. It changes your perspective. It's a personal impact that David is referring to. And then he goes on to say, notice verse 12, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. Anybody desire many good days or just one maybe or, you know, and so the desire, the hope is many good days. And that phrase good days is an interesting term because it refers to those good days being a gift from God once again. And you will, and I will recognize those good days as a gift from God. 
Now, even bad days can be a gift from God, my friend. That's a whole other topic because he can take the worst of times and bring good out of them, right? That's the hope we have in Christ. But that's not the topic here. He's saying you'll recognize these good days as a gift from God. Not something you've earned, not something you've gained on your own, but a gift from God. In fact, the phrase refers to those days, your life that is valuable, meaningful, and abundant. You know what he just said? He said, when you get this relationship with God right, this relationship with Jesus Christ right, you're going to experience life that is valuable, meaningful, and abundant. Apart from him, you know what the implication is, right? You won't. You won't have that purposeful life to live. So to get this relationship with Christ right, with God right, is important because it impacts your relationships with one another. How do I know that? Look at the next two verses. Look at what he goes on to say. He says, whoever loves life and desires to see many good days. And then he says, here's what you're to do because of that. Because you recognize God is in your life, that he's blessed you. You love not just God, but you love life. And you desire many good days. You recognize that it is all good. Because of that, you are inspired by his values. And he goes on to say, verse 13, he says, therefore, that's kind of the inference, keep, keep your what? Are you looking at it? Tongue. Keep your tongue from evil. Well, what does that mean? That means your, your tongue has the potential of evil. L to let me state the obvious. You, you see, let me dig into that just for a second here because David is saying, here's the implications to your relationship from your relationship with God himself. He's saying the values, well, your, his values, God's values, Christ's values, as they become ingrained, as his values become my values in my relationships, they will inspire truthful words as opposed to the opposite. And the first one is a protective posture of your relationship. It's not just about your tongue, it's about what you're doing with your tongue, right? And so he says, first of all, protect your relationships by keeping your tongue from, and we'll get to the word evil in a minute, but that word keep means to guard against dangers. What, what is the indication there that your tongue and my tongue, how I use my words in my relationships can be good, it can build, out, build up, but it also can tear down. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said something very similar. You'll see it on the screen. When he talked about the tongue, he talked about how we use our words in relation to one another. And here's what he said. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil, or it can be apart from Christ. A world of evil among the parts of the body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself set on fire. Did you see that? By hell. So what is he saying? Your words are either going to be inspired by Christ and your relationships are inspired by hell. Either by heaven or by hell. You, you make the choice. We've got the choice. My relationship with Christ makes a difference in my relationships with people. You ever said something? I'm not looking for hands and certainly don't point. You ever said something you wish you could take back? You see, that's the thing about a spark. Once you light the fire, boom, it kind of takes off. That's why David said, be on guard. Be careful about what you say and how you say it in your relationships with one another because it can either build up that relationship or it can burn it to the ground. 
Now, I've been in some burned down moods before. Anybody relate to that? You know, I want to win the fight sometimes. And when I'm walking with God, you know what? He helps me keep. He helps me protect. He helps me. Christ inspires me not to take the scorched earth approach to my relationships when my flesh, who I am, wants to win. I know I'm not the only one. Come on, right? Sometimes we would rather win worse than value the relationship itself. And that's what David is saying guard against. That's what James was saying guard against as well. Well, look at what else he, he, he tells us. He, he says, keep your tongue from specifically evil and your lips from telling lies. Now, keep your tongue from evil refers to your thought life. In other words, he's saying when you walk with Christ like you ought to in your relationships, he will help you understand that just because you think it doesn't mean you should say it. Your thoughts don't need to become your words every time, right? Come on. In fact, when we're really inspired by the values of Christ in our life, he'll stop me. His spirit will convict me. And my brain is saying, say it, say it, say it. And Christ is saying, don't you dare. And sometimes I'll submit. And in that moment, the relationship is more important than winning the fight. The relationship is much more important. And then he goes on to say, if you don't do this, if you don't keep your tongue from evil, if you don't guard against the dangers of your words in relation to one another, you and I will begin to tell lies. And we know what a lie is. It here means intentional deceit or deception. And so that's the part of what we're to guard against. That's the, de the defensive posture within our relationship that is inspired by the values I have in Christ. We have shared values and our relationships have a capacity to go deeper, to be more meaningful. Why? Because of God. Because of Christ. There's no self-help book. There's no any other thing. Only Christ can do this when you're walking with him. But there's a second part. He doesn't tell us just not what to do. He tells us what to do. He tells us not only what to guard against, but what to pursue. And he goes on in verse 14, as you saw, turn from evil and do good. And then look at this last piece. Seek peace and pursue it. You see that word seek means to strive after as a norm. Strive after what? Shalom. That's the Old Testament word for peace. Now that word is not just a greeting in the Hebrew culture in the Old Testament time. That word referred to the hope and the prayer. When you would say shalom to somebody, you're praying on their life. You're praying that they will and you will have contentment and completeness in relation to God and in relationship to one another. Isn't that cool? It's not just hello is I'm really praying that you and I will experience contentment and completeness. And the inference being that when we have these kinds of relationships together, we are more complete. You've heard me say this before. I didn't make this up. We're better together than we are apart. And Christ will inspire this together part. He will give us the ability to do this well and with a greater capacity, capacity than we would ever have of our health. So here, here's the bottom line so far in this passage in regard to our relationships with one another. Number one, when we are walking with God like we ought to, walking with Christ, when we are truly following his lead in our life, our relationship is not perfect, but it's healthy. He will inspire truthful words 
in our relationships with one another. He will inspire us to do what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says. You're not only called in your relationships, I'm called in my relationships not only to speak the truth, right? Come on, you with me? But to speak it how? In love. Inspired by the love of Christ. That is the value of Christ in our relationships together. You see, the truth without love is a baseball bat. The truth without love will be used to get your way and win a fight. But the truth inspired by the love of Christ will consider and value the relationship above being right or winning the fight. And number two, it inspires the right responses. You ever been tempted to pop off with a response? I won't ask for details or ask you to confess this morning, but me too. And it is only when I'm walking with Christ that he empowers me to do it different to do it different from what my brain wants to do. And that's what the value is and the connection is between your relationship with Christ and your relationships with one another. But let's look and, and wrap it up with this. Look at the second half of the passage because David shifts his focus from our relationships with one another to our relationships, relationship with God himself. And he has two implications, spiritual implication and a life implication to your life. Look at the first two verses, 15 and 16. He says, the eyes of the Lord are on whom? The righteous. Now, you've heard me talk about this word before, both Old and New Testament. That word is referring to somebody who's choosing to align their heart with the heart of God, to live out of who he is. Take on the mind of Christ, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Take on who, what he values as your own values in your life. So that is who God is, is making these promises to. That is who a person allows God to do what only God can do in their life. And then he goes on, verse 15, and he says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, this particular kind of believer, and his ears are attentive to their cry. What does that mean? You will experience God's personal presence, the per personal presence of Christ in your life when you choose to what? Be righteous. That doesn't, listen, by the way, that does not mean self-righteous. That means I'm inspired from who Christ is. I'm taking on his values. They are becoming mine and I am aligning myself with the heart of God, with the heart of Christ. But then he says, but, and I hate to give you the bad news, but this is a bad but. And he says, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, those who rebel towards him. Even a believer can walk away from your relationship with Christ, right? Just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're walking and following Christ. And so even a believer can have those but moments and you can live in one of two ways, in alignment with God or in rebellion towards God. And there's a result to choosing that every single day. And in this case, he says, God, look at it close, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, <clears throat> excuse me, to blot out the, their name from the earth. Now pause with me. Here's, what, here's the good news. That phrase, blot out, does not mean God throws a lightning bolt and creates a, a, a pile of dust. What that word or that phrase means is he allows you to experience the perishing, the pain that you are choosing by rebelling towards him. He allows you in your free will and your ability to choose to walk away from him. But listen, he does not protect you from the results. 
He does not promise to protect you from the consequences of walking away from him. That's what that phrase, blot out, means. There are, as a result, there is very real spiritual implications. But look at the last two verses. There's real life applications, and he brings it right back to earth and in our lives. And he says, the righteous, that believer who aligns himself, cries out. He will cry out, and the Lord hears them. And the promise is what? He delivers them from all their troubles. Now that phrase or that word troubles refers to distress from adversity. Anybody experienced some adversity over the last year? I think we've all been in that club, right? If you've made it through the whole year of the pandemic without a, without a scar or any stress or de-stress, man, I want to talk to you and figure out what your secret is because it's been a tough year for most people. But the promise is that God can deliver you from that. That means to deliver you from the control of it. That means that there's not any circumstance in life that can dictate how you choose to live when you have the value, the shared values of Christ in your life. So he says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. And the promise is that he will deliver you from the distress. We've all been there and had distress in our life. In fact, you'll see this on the screen David in Psalm 31, and I love that Psalm as well, he goes on to say, and just as good, honest with God about where he was in life, and he says, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. He doesn't deny he's in distress, and he calls out, my eyes grow weakened with sorrow in my soul and my body with grief, and he even talks even more in depth in Psalm 31. The point is that David had the hope of deliverance. He even talks about deliverance in that Psalm as well. And that's what God is promising. God is promising that there's nothing that can overtake you. Now look at this last part. There's implications for the brokenhearted. That phrase, crushed in spirit, it refers to a heart that is contrite. It refers to recognizing when you have blown it. It refers to when maybe you use some words in, to your wife or your husband or a friend that you should not have used. And when you're truly contrite, you know what's going to happen? You're going to own your failure. You're going to recognize it. You're not going to try to hide from it or blame anybody else. And you're only going to confess your failure. And here's the good news. 1 John 1, 9. Some of you are familiar with this verse. Isn't this a great verse? Isn't this a great hope that we have? According to 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he, that is Christ, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and do what? Look at it close. Purify us from what? All, not some, unrighteousness. Whatever has caused you to drift away from Christ, he will draw you back in. But before he is allowed and can do that, I've got to do what? I've got to own my failures. I've got to ask for the forgiveness. I've got to own where I go wrong so that he can do only what he can do in my life and in my relationships. I saw this interesting story this week about these gentlemen who were on a business trip and they worked at the Amazon Web Services. They were colleagues <clears throat> and they were having dinner together in a, a major city, a metropolitan area. 
And they were in the downtown and they found this restaurant they're gonna go in and eat together uh, before they were all heading back home eventually. They had a rent, rent car, well with them because they were in the high tech business, they had iPads and laptops and all kinds of devices and they didn't wanna lug all this into the restaurant so they carefully hid all of their devices under the seats and completely out of sight. So if you walk by the car, you would not see that there was a treasure trove of devices in the car. However, after they had dinner, they came out and the windows were broken and every single device had been stolen. And they were thinking, how come that happened? We took such care to hide all of our devices, all of our laptops and iPads and everything we left behind. How did that happen? Well, come to find out the thieves have gotten high tech as well. And they are now using Bluetooth scanners to find devices in cars as they're walking by. Because if you didn't know this, and I'm not the highest of high-tech people in the world, but I understand this, when you leave your device somewhere, the Bluetooth is still on, and it is constantly emitting a signal seeking to connect with other devices around it. And the scanners let them know immediately there is value inside that car to steal. Now, FYI, this is a public service announcement, just in case you didn't know this, if you'll just turn off your Bluetooth... And or, and or put it on airplane mode, the scanners will not pick it up. You never thought you'd get valuable, such valuable information at church, did you? But nonetheless, as I read that story, I was thinking, that is how we are described in Christ. We, we, if we have this connection with Christ himself, it will reach out and it will inspire us to have deeper and a, a greater capacity for connection with one another. When this one is right, it is just going to happen. We will emit signals, so to speak, and we will be open to what God can do, what Christ wants to do in our relationships with one another. There's a direct connection between how your relationships go at home with your wife or your husband, your kids, your friends, and your relationship with Christ. There's a direct connection according to God's word. And this is just one passage. Now, some of you know that I mentioned, I think last week, that we've started a podcast every week. And if you're interested at all in even digging deeper from week to week what we discuss here on Sundays, all you have to do is tune into one of the podcast platforms, and we would love you to join us as we continue. It's only about two or three weeks old, and it's just been just a fun, I don't know anybody else, I'm hoping somebody else is getting value at it, but I'm just having a great time. And we've gotten some great feedback. Share it with other people. You never know what it could mean to somebody else. We get the opportunity to dig deeper into what we can't cover on a Sunday morning in a dialogue kind of a fashion. But the bottom line is this. How's your relationship with Christ going? Come on, I'm not asking you to raise a hand or to speak out. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But how is your relationship with Christ going right now? Why do I, why? Because how that goes is how the rest of this is going to go. He is the one that gives us the basis and the capacity to develop meaningful relationships with one another that we could never do on our own. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word as always and the, the truth that you reveal, the, the practical implications of that truth and Father, I, I pray that within our marriages, within our friendships, within our parenting and our relationships with our kids, Father, I pray that the values that are you 
become our shared values in our homes and in our marriages and in our friendships because that is the foundation to weather any storm. That is the foundation to build something upon that will last and will be significant and meaningful and purposeful, will add value to life. So Father, I pray that we're not grabbing the nearest self-help book and doing this in our own strength, but we're relying on you to inspire us, to inspire us to connect with one another. Father, you want that, that is your desire. I pray, Father, that we, we are willing to allow you to build the capacity within us to experience meaningful, purposeful relationships with one another. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.